we've sung our praise to our great God and, and Savior, and we've confessed our faith together. Um, let's, let's go to our God now in prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, uh, we want to just thank you this morning, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Um, we want to thank you this morning for the amazing grace that we've just been singing about. Uh, your word says when we were dead in trespasses and sins, you made us alive together with Christ. You saved us by your amazing grace. And we, we thank you this morning also uh, that you are a God of faithfulness, a God that we can trust to fulfill every promise. And while the, while the false gods of this world, the false messages, uh, the idols of this world, they offer us empty promises, promises of, of pleasure and fame, of security and safety, and these promises that they cannot deliver on. And yet you are a God we can trust. You are the only true God who delivers on his promises. And God, while, uh, while human fathers um, often will, will try to care for their children, prepare them for life, and yet make mistakes along the way, we thank you that you are a good and a perfect Heavenly Father. You are a Father who knows our needs who has a perfect plan to care for us, to pr protect us, to preserve us until we reach uh, full maturity, until we reach our final home, our eternal home with you. There is, uh, indeed, there's no one who compares with you, our faithful God. Uh, you make promises of blessing and life and forgiveness, of love and mercy and salvation, and then as, as we're about to celebrate uh, in the month of December, at the proper time, you send Jesus Christ to keep all of those promises because all of your promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that we can entrust our lives to you and we can be fully persuaded you have the power to do what you promised. Uh, and as we turn now uh, to... Our, our time of, of preaching, we thank you for, for Dr. Fred McDonald, and, and we just ask you as, as he comes up that you would empower him by your spirit, help him uh, to teach your word uh, with boldness and confidence and, and with faithfulness, and we pray you would give uh, each one of us here open hearts and ears to hear your word to us this day, and we pray all these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, Joel. It is a joy and a blessing for Denise and I to be with you this morning. I have been looking forward to this for about seven months. Seven months ago, uh, Pastor Brent gave me a phone call. He said, I like to plan ahead and uh, wondered if you're available on Sunday, November 28th. I said, that far out? I probably am, but let me check. And, and so uh, we set this up, and little did we know that God had some other plans for Pastor Brent, and he's a good friend, and I know you love him and are praying for him and as he's serving. I'm, but it's a joy to be here. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to know uh, Pastor Joel and, and Tanner uh, over the last few months. And, uh, Joel did a wonderful job leading our singing at our pastors and family retreat. 
up in Aberdeen just a couple of months ago. And uh, I, this is our second time to be able to worship with you since we've been, been back here in South Dakota. And the, the music, the, the worship, is, uh, is probably the most special thing for me as I, we come to South Canyon. And, and I want to thank you uh, for letting us worship with you this morning, not just be here to preach. Um, I am Fred McDonald. I'm the Executive Director for the Dakota Baptist Convention. Folks like to ask, well, what does that mean? What is your job? And I, I described my job to someone once, and they said, oh, you're kind of like a bishop. And I said, well, yeah, kind of, sort of. No, not at all, anything like that. Yeah. We have 80, approximately 85 Southern Baptist churches in North and South Dakota networked together to do kingdom work here in the Dakotas. Each of our churches is, is autonomous under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and in line with His Word. Each church uh, decides how God wants them to carry out the Great Commission. But there's just some things we've discovered we can do better together than apart. And so those things that we do together, I get to help coordinate those things. When pastors need a pastor, we're there to encourage them. When churches need someone to come alongside and, and provide resources or help or encouragement, that's our, that's our role at the Dakota Baptist Convention. And I, I want to say thank you to South Canyon Baptist Church uh, because you are a big part of what we are doing to take the name of Jesus Christ across the Dakotas and around the world through our cooperative program. It's the way we support our missionaries. We've been doing it since 1925. And because of your participation and help with the cooperative program, you are supporting approximately 8,000 missionaries and church planters across North America and around the world. And so I want to say thank you for that. Uh, and uh, this, in fact, this particular week, starting today through next Sunday, is a week of prayer for our international missionaries. And so I want to encourage you this week to be praying for those who, are, who have gone to far-off places, some of them in places so dangerous that we cannot tell you their names. Uh, we just have to use initials uh, because of the countries they serve in. And so I want to say thank you for, for your support of what God is doing uh, across the Dakotas and around the world. I do want to mention one other thing about the Dakota Baptist Convention, and then we're going to get into Psalm 18. Uh, that's where we'll be this morning. Uh, we have a monthly e-newsletter and weekly updates, or I should say regular updates. They don't get out quite weekly sometimes, but regular uh, video updates that we send out. If you would like to get on our list for that, if you would send me your email address, my email address is fred at dakotabaptist.com. That's fred at dakotabaptist.com. You'd send me your email address. Uh, our December newsletter is going out in just a few days, and we'd love to get you in our in our uh, contact list to be able to let you know what what you are a part of, what God is doing across the Dakotas. Well, as as Pastor Joel just prayed, we have just finished Thanksgiving. It was a great Thanksgiving for Denise and me. We have seven grandchildren. We have never had all seven grandchildren in our house at the same time, and we had almost a full week of that this week. It was a great week, and we, uh, we enjoyed that. If you, any of you who have me on Facebook know that I am a picture poster, and you probably got tired of all the pictures. In fact, I had a cousin who, who uh, after I posted a picture of Denise and me and all the grandkids, he, he replied to it, oh, now you're just bragging. And I said, well, that's just because it's true. 
uh, I am bragging. And we, we had a great week. And now that Thanksgiving is over, it means one thing. <laughs> Christmas. 24-7, all day, every day, to, through December 25th, we're going to be talking about Christmas. Those of you who have been waiting, uh, you stubborn, Scrooge-like people, you know who you are, who have refused to play any Christmas music before Thursday, you can now join the rest of us who've been doing it for the last month or so. Uh, we're going to be talking about Christmas now. Uh, and, uh, and, and one of the things that, that we do at Christmas time is is we make our lists. Uh, we and our I have six, Denise and I have six children and seven grandchildren, and we have a text string that has all of our kids on it and their spouses. And a few weeks ago, my oldest son sent out wanted to to get Christmas lists for all of our grandkids, and so on text there's been the the parents of grandkids have been sharing their uh, the Christmas the things their kids are wanting for Christmas. Uh, we enjoy receiving, and I'm going to be honest with you, I enjoy even more giving Christmas gifts. In fact, I had to start buying all my Christmas presents on December 24th, because if I bought it any sooner, I'd just go ahead and give it to the person, and then I knew I still had to have a gift for them on Christmas, and it was breaking me. Uh, so I just started buying most of my Christmas presents the day before Christmas. We, we like that. It's a, it's a reminder to us of the great gift that that God gave when he sent Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior. I, I've been thinking this week about Christmas presents. Uh, there are a lot of words that can describe God. Words like holy, just, righteous, merciful, gentle, sovereign. I'm sure you can think of many other words. I think one of my favorite adjectives, though, to describe God is the word gracious. God is a gracious God. He is no Scrooge when it, when it comes to, to sharing what is His with those that He loves. He is a giving God. His kindness overflows when I give something to someone that I think is gracious on my part, he always goes beyond my ability to be gracious. We sang just a moment ago, I, I, I pulled my pen out because we were singing the song, Oh, I Need You. When sin runs deep, your grace is more. That's the God that we serve. He always gives more. And King David understood this because he'd experienced it on a personal level. Throughout David's life, he experienced God's goodness, and he declared his praise of God through one of the, through the songs that he wrote. And in Psalm 18, David, in a sense, is challenging us to, to list all of God's grace gifts that we have seen. And, and really the culmination, the, the centerpiece of what he's saying in this song is verses 35 and 36, where he lists four blessings that he had personally experienced, four presents, you might say, that he had received from God, uh, from God's own hand. Let, let me read those two verses for you. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand upholds me. Your humility exalts me. 
You widen a place beneath me for my steps, and my ankles do not give way. David was singing about the God who had blessed him in so many different ways. And throughout the psalm, he's, he's describing all these things that had happened, and, and, and he summarizes it in those two verses by saying, God, you have, you have done this for me. Psalm 18 is a song that David wrote. It's a psalm that if you, uh, if you do a little backtracking in the Old Testament and go to 2 Samuel 22 and read that chapter, you will, you will have a feeling of deja vu. I've heard this somewhere before. Because psalm, 2 Samuel 22 is where David sings this song for the first time. And it's a response to some things that God had done in his life, which he was reminiscing over from the previous chapter. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, there were a number of things that, that, that were potentially devastating to the king and to the people of God. And in each of those situations, God came through, and David uses this song in, in 2 Samuel 22 and then in Psalm 18 to say, God, how great you are. Your, your presence, your gifts, your blessings overwhelm me. If you look in 2 Samuel 21, you don't have to turn there now, but it makes a good read. Sometime this, this week, go back and read 2 Samuel 21. There's three things, that, three events that could have destroyed David and his people. Uh, the, in the, the first incident, incident was David righted a wrong that King Saul had done. Uh, Joshua had made a treaty. If you go back to Joshua chapter 9, Joshua had made a treaty with the Gibeonites. He wasn't, they were descendants of the Amorites. They shouldn't have made this treaty with the Gibeonites, but they were, uh, the Gibeonites used a ruse. They, they tricked the Israelites into making this treaty with them. And once they had made it and they realized that they had been tricked, they had no choice but to honor the commitment that they had made. Well, when Saul became king, Saul, Saul got zealous for his, his, his role as king and for his people Israel. I guess today we might use the phrase, he got a little too big for his britches. And, and he broke the treaty. He attacked the Gibeonites. And as a result, the Israelites had experienced three years of famine during the reign of David. If you're ever wondering what you, that whether what you do can impact other people, I've got news. Read the Bible. And David, in his reign, they experienced three years, and, and David goes before God. He says, God, why in the world are, are we experiencing this famine year after year after year? And God told him it was because of what Saul had done. Saul had dishonored God by violating that command, that, uh, that agreement that had been made all the way back in the book of Joshua. And so David knew he needed to reconcile with the Gibeonites, and it was a rather harsh way. The Gibeonites did not want money. Uh, they, they, wanted, um, they wanted a blood sacrifice. And so they asked for seven descendants of the one who had broken the covenant, Saul. And seven descendants of Saul were turned over by David. And those men were hung by the Gibeonites. And that enabled God to release the, the Israelites 
from their famine. Immediately after that, the mother of two of the young men who had been handed over to the Gibeonites, her name was Reziah, and she, she began to worship God. She made a sacrifice, and when David heard what she did, and this is the second thing, the second event in David's life in this chapter, he was so moved by what she did that he brought the bones of Saul and Jonathan that had been stolen by a group of people. He had them brought back and he gave them a proper burial. Which is rather ironic because David had just taken action to make up for something Saul had done wrong. And David turns around and then honors Saul and Jonathan. By the way, there's a side lesson there. We're not going to chase this rabbit, but if you want to chase a rabbit this week, there's a lesson for us there about making things right and extending forgiveness. Just make a little note about that. Then the, the 2 Samuel 21 shares how David began to do battle with the Philistines again. There were a series of battles that included the descendants of Goliath. Uh, one of the men was huge. He had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each feet, and David won the battle against the Philistines. And so 2 Samuel 22 opens up and David is reminiscing about all these things that have just happened in recent days in his life. And he knows that he needs to give glory to God. He recognized that it was not his wisdom as a king, it was not his great strength as a king, it was not his strategic abilities or even his leadership ability. It was the hand of God that had won each battle. And that it was God who had rescued him. And so as he, re as he, he recalled God's handiwork, he burst into song. And that's in 2 Samuel 22, you read it, and then it's in Psalm 18. And in verses 35 and 36, there's four specific blessings that David had experienced, four different uh, gifts or presents, you might say, from, from God. <clears throat> and they serve as the highlight or the centerpiece of this chapter. What are those four things? Take a look at verses 35 and 36 again. The first thing is, David said, you have given me the shield of your salvation. David had experienced salvation from the hand of God. And he'd, he'd experienced salvation on a number of levels. He had experienced salvation uh, from the consequences of his sin. No doubt, David's, in the back of David's mind was always that, 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 that memory of his greatest failure as a king when he sinned with Bathsheba which led to the murder of, his, of a faithful servant and, and, and brought a tragedy to his family for generations to come. His sin with Bathsheba was a constant reminder to him of the value of repentance. By, by the way, do you know how long it was from the time David sinned with Bathsheba till he acknowledged it to God? It was at least nine months. You know how I know? The baby had been born. And, that's what, and, and David ignored it and ignored it and ignored it. And finally God sent the prophet Nathan and said, David, you're the man. And immediately 
At that moment, David acknowledged his sin. You ever, you want to, ever want to read what it's like to keep sin, try to hide it from God for nearly a year? Read Psalm 32, the first few verses, where David describes how miserable his life was while he tried to hide his sin from God. But he'd experienced salvation from the consequences of his own sin. He experienced salvation from the hand of his enemies. There were times when David, it looked like David was going to be, uh, be eliminated from the face of the earth. Saul chasing him, the Philistines after him, his own, his own family at times. David experienced salvation. God, you have given me the shield of your salvation. The second blessing David had received, your right hand upholds me. God had been holding David through times of distress. God had been holding David through times of fear, times of uncertainty, times of loneliness. What was it like for David in those days when he was running from his, for his life from his own son, Absalom? And David said, through all those times, you held me in your right hand. I'd have given up. I'd have been in despair. I'd have been without hope. But God, you upheld me. The third thing that he received from God was strength. Your humility exalts me. The English Standard Version says, your gentleness made me great. I think this is the most intriguing of the four. Because there's a bit of a paradox if you think about it. David's greatness flowed from God's humility. Does that strike you as strange or ironic? God's gentleness lifted David up. It's interesting because if you look in the New Testament, Paul said, when I am weak, you are strong. Paul's humility exalted God. And David experienced being lifted up by the gentleness of God. And the final thing that David experienced was security. You widen a place beneath me for my steps, I like this phrase, and my ankles do not give way. You know why I like that verse? It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, because I have really weak ankles. And I'll be walking along and my ankles will just go like, like that. And, and so I, I, the, the Christian Standards translation of that says, you widen a place beneath me for my steps and my ankles do not give way. David faced a number of enemies and a number of situations that tried to trap him, but God gave to him a wide path which gave him confidence to walk through life as the king of God's people. I, I like to watch women's gymnastics and I... I find the event to be actually kind of boring, but it's the most difficult, I think, is the balance beam. The balance beam is 16.4 feet long, but it is only four inches wide, and it is four feet off the ground, four feet off the ground. Beginners on the balance beam, however, don't just jump up on that balance beam. They start them on a balance beam that's a little bit wider, and it's only six inches off the ground. Why? It gives them confidence. I remember when I was in basic training. Do we have any 
basic training memories here? Anybody in basic training? I was in uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and the, there was the, the time that they took us through, we called it the gas chamber. They called it the confidence chamber, but it wasn't. We went into this tent with, a, with our gas mask on, and as we walked in, we could see gas, and our drill sergeants were there with their gas masks on. And you walk in, and they let you stand there for, for a little bit, and then they say, now take off your mask. And you take off your mask. And pretty soon, your eyes start to water. You start to cough. And if you're not reacting soon enough for the drill sergeant, they start to talk to you. They don't take their mask off. They, uh, but they, they want you to experience the effect of the gas without your gas mask. They call it the confidence chamber because it's designed to let you know that if you're in a situation and you put your gas mask on, you, can tr you will be secure, you, will, you can trust it because you have experienced what it's like to not have that. David's path was very narrow at times, but God widened his path. Salvation, support, strength, security, four spiritual treasures that the shepherd king would probably have paid any price to have. Do you want to know what was the best thing of all of these? all of this, David received them as free gifts. He could not have purchased these. Nothing he did made him deserve these. They were gifts from whom? Well, we actually need to back up now. If you're back in Psalm 18, back up to the first couple verses. Uh, by the way, here's a general principle if you're studying the Psalms. This is not always true, but it's generally true that the first verse or two of the psalm is the theme, and the rest of the psalm sort of unpacks that. Look at the first two verses of Psalm 18. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my mountain where I seek refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Do you see a parallel between those two verses? And verses 35 and 36, look at the words that David uses to describe God. Rock, fortress, deliverer, refuge, shield, horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Every word that he uses to describe God himself in those first two verses are the words he uses to describe the gifts that he had received from God. Throughout his life, David had learned that the best way to seek and to enjoy God's presence, you're going to have to listen close on this, Bob. That's why I put it up here. The best way to seek and to have God's presence is to seek His presence. A couple of examples from David's life. First, in, if, if you were to go back to 1 Chronicles, verse, chapters 13 through 16, when David had become king, he brought the ark back to Jerusalem. It had been stolen years or decades earlier by the Philistines, but the ark had done nothing but cause trouble for the Philistines. And they said, we need to get rid of this thing. And so they, they, trans, they, they had it transported to the border and no further. 
and, and it had been in the house of Abinadab for all of these years. When David became king, early in his reign, David sent servants and they brought it, brought the ark to Jerusalem. And David called the nation as, as the ark was coming into Jerusalem. David called out to all of his people, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. David understood that the best way to enjoy God's presence his gifts, is to seek His presence, God Himself. One other illustration real quick. David's life and reign was now drawing to a close. And he was ready to pass the scepter on to his son Solomon. And the responsibility of building the temple. Uh, David had wanted so badly to build a temple for God, but he was a man of war. He had a different purpose for his life. And so now Solomon was going to be the one to build the temple. And as he was passing the torch to Solomon, he challenged his young heir and the people, set your mind and heart to seek the Lord of God. That's 1 Chronicles twenty-two nineteen. In both of these illustrations, David challenged with what he had learned as a young king he invited his people and those who would come after him to receive God's presence, his blessings, by seeking his presence, the relationship. And so what does that have to do with us today? Well, 1,000 years later, God stepped into history with another present. Joel mentioned this passage in his pastoral prayer just a moment ago. But when the completion of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. At just the right moment in history, not a moment too soon, not a day too late, at just the right time, God fulfilled his plan to redeem a sinful and lost humanity to himself. Those who were at Bethlehem's manger learned that the gift was Emmanuel, God with us. Those disciples who followed Jesus for a three-year period of time and listened to him teach and watched him bring to reality the kingdom of God, learned that the greatest gift was Emmanuel, God with us. Those who felt his touch, that healing touch, learned that the greatest gift was from Emmanuel, God with us, to receive God's presence, his gifts, receive his presence that relationship, God with us. In presenting himself wrapped in humanity, God was again giving salvation and support and strength and security because God never changes. You heard the Christmas song? Best gift of all is Jesus. It captures the truth that the best gift that you will give 
to anyone or that you could ever received is the presence of God. Emmanuel, God with us. And as you seek God's hand of blessing, do what David said those two times. Seek God's face. That's how you seek His presence. Seek His face. What does it mean to seek the face of God? I think a negative illustration might be helpful. In the Old Testament, in the story of Esther, we learn the value of seeking the king's face. Haman was discovered to be plotting against Esther's people. And when he was exposed, his treachery was exposed, he pleaded with Queen Esther to intercede with the king for him. When the king walked in, he assumed that Haman was attacking the queen. And he was enraged. And immediately, two servants come and they cover Haman's face with a cloth. You ever wondered why they did that? It is because the king would no longer look upon the face of that man. It was a sign. It was the death, it was the, the instituting of the death sentence for that person. Death came because the king had hidden, hid his face from Haman. To seek God's face means to seek his life, his peace. It, it means to seek his very presence, God with us. This Christmas season, as you enjoy God's provision, his presence, recognize that it is his presence that brings his salvation. It is his presence that brings his support. It is his presence that brings his strength. It is his presence that brings his security. Which of those four things do you need today? Do you need salvation? Do you have the confidence that when you stand before God, you will hear those words, well done? Have you received the forgiveness that was purchased by the blood of Jesus as he hung on that cross? And the victory that he won when he came forth from the grave? Do you need salvation? This morning, right where you're sitting, you can call upon, do what Paul said in Romans 10, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent of sin, turn away from sin and by faith, trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you need salvation? It's in His presence. Do you need His support? Are you going through a difficult time right now? You're distressed, discouraged, despondent about something, maybe even bordering on depressed. You have a God who holds you with His right hand. Seek His presence. Seek God with you. Do you need His strength? Is there a decision that you need to make this week? a difficult thing that you need to do. It's going to be hard to do, but you know you need to do it. 
Seek his presence. God with you. Because it's his presence that brings his strength. What about security? As you walk through different situations, as you worry about the future, it is the presence of God. It is God with you that brings his security. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, your righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. One final thought. If God's best present is his presence, then what present should you make of your presence in the life of those that you love? He is our example. The greatest gift is God with us. Take that gift to someone else today. I want to ask you to bow your head. And as I have, a have this closing prayer for the message, I invite you right where you are. If you need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved, call on Jesus. And then talk with one of your pastors or the elders here and share with them that you gave your life to Jesus and they'll help you take that next step as you walk as a child of God. If you need someone to pray with you, seek them out and share with them and, and let God use them as a visible illustration of his presence. Father, in Jesus' name, you're our one defense, our righteousness. Oh God, how we need you. Not just your presence, your gifts, but even more, we need your presence. We need that relationship through which your blessings come. Thank you for Jesus, our one defense and our righteousness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's.